Let's go. We're back. Here we go with Larry Fitzgerald. Larry, how are you today? Doing outstanding, Zoom. Uh, I'm in a little bit of a candy uh, sugar rush overload last night. You know, ra- raiding the kids' uh, candy bags when they went to sleep. But I'm having a great day. You went out trick or treating. What were you dressed up as? Uh, I was I was the the host uh, from the from the from uh, Squid Game. So I had I had my little mask. <laughs> Did you like the ending of Squid Games? Uh, LeBron James did not, and, and there's been a back and forth now between uh, the creator uh, and uh, LBJ. So did you like the way it ended? Um, I didn't specifically like the way it ended, but, you know, I think it's encouraging that there's going to be a sequel, um, you know, by the way it ended and him running out of that airport. It makes me believe that there's going to be some uh, some good things coming down the road. So that, I guess, made it seem a little bit better for me. So why don't you jump out there on Twitter and get into this fight? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a pass on that. I'm a pass on that, Joe. All right, Larry, uh, the business at hand, just the up and down nature of the National Football League. It, it kind of mirrors your life. I mean, one week you're really high, things are flying, things are great, you know, you're on the moon, and then the next week, you know, you're in the depths of despair, you know, underneath <laughs> the Antarctic, you know, with a, without your scuba gear. How do you explain this? Baltimore one week, they're going to Super Bowl and winning. Then last week, just on the AFC side, everybody's jumping on Cincinnati. Yesterday, they lose to the Jets. The Jets. Uh, Kansas City struggled all year. They're supposed to be in the Super Bowl. The up and down nature of all of this, uh, when you're in it, how do you deal with it? Well, I mean, you just got to be able to keep your focus on what you can control. Um, you know, all the outside noise doesn't matter. It really comes down to the 53 guys and that coaching staff being able to bond together to be able to take the steps necessary for you to be able to put, put wins on the board week in and week out. And you, know, you see that, you know, you saw week one when the Packers, you know, lost their opening game and the whole world was jumping on, you know, was the off season uh, carrying on into the, into the season. And, you know, you see teams like that have been able to silence the critics, but it's w- one week at a time. And, you know, it, it speaks to the mental resolve of the players and coaches who are able to c- overcome that adversity. I mean, you look at Tennessee right now, there's not a bigger blow to a team and an organization than losing, you know, your franchise player and arguably the offensive player of the year and Derrick Henry. And, you know, you're going to see what that team is really made of. You're going to see the makeup, the character, because uh, it's going to be challenged. And you are a scuba diver. So you have been down. How deep have you gone? How many feet? Um, I've been down probably 40, 50 feet. You know, when it when it starts getting a little dark, you know, I, I, uh, I get a little nervous. So I stay I stay a little bit closer to the top than, than most would. So to continue the analogy, there are some teams right now who are seeing that darkness. How do you control your breathing when you know you got a good team, you know you have a lot of talent, we just talked about those expectations that you've raised because of your performance, and then you're now struggling to breathe? The leaders of the team have to really step up and um, just continue to encourage and, and be positive um, because when doubt sets in, um, that can have a ripple effect throughout the locker room, you know, no matter if it's injuries or, or bad performances, bad breaks, you, know, you have to be able to dig your way out of there. There's nobody coming in to save you, um, you know, when things are not going your way. The only people that can dig the, their way out of that are the players in that locker room. And, um, you know, you really have to lean on the leadership in your team. And for these teams that rise up, that come out of nowhere, I mean, the Jets were, I don't know, 11 point underdogs uh, going with, Quarterback nobody's ever even heard of, Mike White. All right, everybody's placing their hopes on Zach Wilson. He's out of the game. Uh, We saw that in three instances yesterday, and we'll talk about the other two. But, you know, nobody's really ever out of a game in the National Football League, yet everybody now thinks that because 
you have a bad record, that there aren't, you know, 53 professionals who are fighting for their jobs and that they're just going to roll over. So we see these upsets all the time, yet nobody seems to be willing to account for that performance. So when you, you've been on teams that are bad, bad records, but that doesn't mean they're bad players. Um, talk a little bit about, if you can, and explain the pride that's in a locker room, even when the team's record is terrible. Well, in that game yesterday, Cincinnati against the Jets in particular, um, you know, what really stood out to me, you're, you have a team who's been anointed now as the best team in the AFC. You know, everybody's talking about the way they're performing, the Bengals, that is. And, um, you know, you play against a team, the Jets, who have, you know, the week before gave up 50 points. Um, so you think you're going to just run in there and and take advantage and, you know, be able to hit all the plays that you want. Your defense is going to be able to get them off the field. And in actuality, that's not really how it is. You know, the Jets and every team in the locker room has a, a great amount of pride. Um, you know, they want to go out there and perform to the best of their ability. They're playing for their organizations, their fan base and themselves. And there's nobody that's going to lay down. And um, I think that the youth and inexperience of, of the Bengals, you know, they're not an organization and team that has had a long time of sustained winning and success. And, you know, they have you to learn how to be able to go. They have to be able winning. to learn. They've, had, they've won that's, five that's, games and everybody that, thought that they turned the corner. But, but Jim, that they have a really talented team and they can compete with anybody in the National Football League. But they have to understand that the games that you have to win, you have to take care of the teams that you should be. You know, you have to be able to jump on them early and be able to put them out of their misery. When do guys quit? When do guys begin to pack it in? Because we do see that a bit later on here in the season when they know they have no chance, they don't want to get injured, perhaps they'll go to another team, contract year, or, or they've just said, you know what, me putting out my all um, isn't going to keep my job here um, because either I, A, have a job because I'm a good enough player, or B, I've got to find a new place and I'm not going to get killed for this group and this organization. When does that kick well in? Well, Jim, you'd be surprised, you know, it happens a lot less than you think, you know, because that's the, the great thing about the National Football League, that most of our contracts are not guaranteed. This is not the NBA. It's not the NHL. This is not the Major League Baseball Association. This is a, a league where, you know, every single year you can be moved, you can be cut. And I think guys understand that and they know they have to be able to push through. And if the team that you're playing on is not giving you an opportunity, things are not working out. There's 31 other organizations that you have an opportunity to work for. And every single time you are on that tape, on that field, that, that is your resume. That game tape is your resume. You always want to put good things out there for people to see because, you know, you're, you're trying to get, um, you know, to that next contract. You're trying to get an opportunity for yourself and uh, an ability to feed your family. So you, you see it a lot less than you would imagine. Have you seen guys quit on the other side or on your side? Um, I, I know you you see guys who are not as willing to to do what's necessary to win on a day-to-day -day basis, but not just flat out lay down and, and quit. But um, just in terms of the preparation, their accountability, um, you know, their work ethic, the things that are, that, that are, you know, what championship teams and organizations are committed to doing, that those things start to wane. Let's Go is brought to you by GoldenNuggetCasino.com. Play your favorite slot and table games like blackjack, roulette, and so much more. Download the app onto your phone or play online at GoldenNuggetCasino.com. You must be 21 or over. Available only in Michigan and New Jersey. And if you have a gambling problem, Please call 1-800-270-7117 or 1-800-GAMBLER. Coming soon to your state, that's GoldenNuggetCasino.com. Jim Gray along with Larry Fitzgerald right here on Let's Go. Hey, Larry, um, how do you explain, and you've played with these backups. You had a lot of backup and third-string quarterbacks come into the game when you were on the Cardinals. 
and they come onto the field and you just don't know what you're going to get. So how do you explain Cooper Rush and the Cowboys and Trevor Simeon and what he did uh, yesterday with the Saints against Tampa Bay? And we just spoke a little bit about Mike White. But how do you explain these guys who really aren't the best, otherwise they'd be in the game, in Simeon's circumstance, he hasn't played in several years of any suggested meaning and comes in and beats the defending champions. How does this happen? Well, Jim, for defensive coordinators, it's extremely difficult to prepare your guys for somebody you, you don't see on tape. There's nothing for you to study, um, nothing for you to look at, no deficiencies for you to find. And so when you're coming in, you're, you're, you're kind of on your heels automatically. Um, you know, the person that you're playing against is, is new. Um, and you, you're trying to figure out ways to be able to exploit them. And um, the system that you've seen, you know, you know, for instance, the Dallas Cowboys running, that Dak is running. Uh, efficiently for the last few weeks, that's not some of the plays that you're going to see because of some of those things might not fit his skill set. So you're just seeing a lot of new, and that's very difficult to prepare for. Um, and so it makes it, it makes it tough. It really does. That's a very insightful. That's one of the great explanations that really hasn't been amplified upon uh, in these circumstances. Nobody knows how to prepare for Cooper Rush. So fans clamor for the backup because backups have in many instances, instantaneous success. So they think that that guy should be out there all the time. And then when you get the chart, and then when you get the data, and then when you can see their tendencies, that changes because they're not as good in most instances as the guy who has been in the position. Otherwise, the coaches in all of these cities wouldn't be making those evaluations. That's guaranteed unemployment. You don't keep somebody better on the bench than the guy that you have who you're starting. So True. that's really that's really interesting. Why isn't that talked about more? You're right, Jim. It should be talked about more often. Um, but I think the true test for backup quarterbacks is really can they sustain it? Can they do it from week to week to week after some tape has been reviewed, after teams are doing everything to be able to exploit their weaknesses, um, putting putting extra guys in the box if they're um, you know, more heavy to the run game, forcing them to beat them over the top. You know, so when, when game plans are really being devised to take away the things that you have success with, that's when you really see the true test of the player. And Larry, and that kind of opens the door as to why these coaches are always coy all week and they don't want to let on because they don't want their opponents to be able to prepare for what it is that they know right then. Uh, you know, it's a subversion of this whole uh, uh, injury report and with gamblers and so forth now. It's probably going to become a much greater issue, even though it should be emphasized now. Coaches are not going to let the other team plan for what it is they already know. No, they shouldn't, Jim. Why, why would you want to play? Uh, why would you want to give the team that you're playing any advantage, any tidbit that could help them, you know, prepare for your team better? Like that just makes no sense. And so, if I was a coach, I would play coy as well. I would wait as long as I possibly could to announce, you know, who's going to play, who's not going to play, and you know. And, and make those guys on the other side suffer as long as possible um, because the object is, is to come out there and win and, and take advantage of any opportunity you can. I'm Jim Gray along with Larry Fitzgerald. Let's Go is brought to you by Morton's The Steakhouse. Savor a collection of contemporary and classic steakhouse favorites, fresh seafood, luscious desserts, and a legendary power hour. Visit mortons.com for reservations. That's mortons.com. All right, let's jump over to the NFC now. And all of the best teams, uh, quite frankly, are in the NFC. It's really bunched up up top there. Uh, Rams playing uh, terrific football, just one loss, Green Bay. Uh, we talked about the up-and-down nature. Everybody thought it was the end of the world. They now have uh, the top seed uh, halfway through in the NFC. 
And you've got a terrific Dallas team. Tampa Bay took it on the short end yesterday, but uh, everybody thinks that they'll be around come uh, playoff time. Uh, and you have Arizona with their first loss. So, Larry, how do you unpack what we've seen halfway through the season? Uh, with Let's start with Green Bay because uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, just went in uh, with really nobody to throw the ball to that anybody would ever heard of, and uh, they come out with a huge victory uh, in Arizona, the last undefeated team. Popped the corks in Miami, unfortunately, without Coach Shula. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, you know, you really have to tip your hat to Aaron and his greatness. You know, obviously the deck was stacked against him, you know, not having his three best wide receivers on the field um, and then losing his, his, his best tight end, you know, in the third quarter. You know, they did a really good job of, you know, running the football and, and neutralizing, um, you know, Arizona's explosive offense by keeping Kyler on the sideline. And that really played into their hands. Um, they were efficient with the football, didn't turn it over and, you know, really capitalized on a few mistakes that the Cardinals made. Um, but I mean, Aaron is just phenomenal. Um, you know, he really um, is playing at an elite level still. And you, know, you really have to tip your hat to, to his greatness. I mean, he's, he's a special, special talent. You're a great wide receiver, the second leading all-time, Larry, but we see so many guys who the public has never heard of come into the game making these phenomenal catches. Uh, are, does it really matter almost anymore who these quarterbacks throw to as long as they run the right pattern? There's just so much talent, and, and, and guys are just terrific that, that never see the field. Well, I mean, the, the guys that are not playing, there's a, there's a reason that the player in front of them is usually, is usually better. But the drop-off in some instances is not as big as you would think. And when those players get their opportunity, if they're in the right place and the quarterback has belief that they can make those plays, you know, there, there's an opportunity for them. And, I mean, you see it every single week. There's a, there's a player that's able to step up and be dynamic and, and really turn some heads. And, um, you know, it's really, it's really fun to watch a guy that you've seen practice so hard for five, six weeks running against the scout team, doing everything he's been coached to do, and then finally get his opportunity in the game and go out there and really make the best of his opportunity. There's nothing, there's nothing like it in sport. Uh, you know, that's just what makes sports so fun to watch. And, um, you know, you see it happen from week to week. And, um, you know, that's what the fans love. You know, you pick up somebody on the waiver wire late, they go out there and get you a touchdown or two. And, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Who are your top five receivers in the NFL? Jim, I hate don't that cry, question, Larry. Jim. Please don't Jim, cry. Just answer Jim, the question, I, I, sir. I absolutely hate that question. Can we come back to that one later, Jim? <laughs> get your pen. Um, get your pad. And let's hurt somebody's feelings. I know you won't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, so you can have a tie right. for fifth. All right. Hold on. All right, Larry, we'll give you a chance. We'll come back to that so you can get your thoughts together take a two-minute break but before we do that let's talk about Tampa Bay losing to the Saints the Saints have had in the regular season the Bucks number for whatever the reason Larry Sean Payton said something after the game that was really interesting uh, he told Peter King uh, that he got a text from Mike Krzyzewski coach K after the game and he said the text was all about adversity and winning the games you're not supposed to win and when coaching really matters he said he'd save it forever that's how important that text was coming from a legend like Coach K. Coaching really does matter, and in this instance, um, hard to beat the defending champions whether you got a good coach or not. Well, Jim, I mean, you know, every time you get a, a text from a Hall of Fame 
all-time winning winningest coach and, and coach K I mean you, you have to be you know grateful um, you know but Sean Payton has, has done an amazing job with the Saints you know from year to year being able to get that team prepared and you know yesterday was another example of, of him just being prepared um, you know James goes down with injury you know Trevor's able to step in and, and really be able to just keep the the train on the rails. Um, that defense played amazing. They were flying around, opportunistic. Um, did a good job of, of making Tom uncomfortable in the pocket. And you know, Jim, that that Superdome is one of the most difficult environments to play in. Um, you can't even hear yourself thinking there. When that place gets rocking, um, you know, it's it's tough to get back on, get back to go. It's tough to get it going back again. Um, so I mean, you, you really have to say, you know, Sean Payton did a great job getting his guys prepared and being able to deal with just the uncertainty of injury as well. Now, as the Saints go forward, can they continue with Trevor Simeon, or do you think it's time to look at Cam Newton? Well, I, I think that I think my first call would be to Drew Brees. You know, uh, Drew <laughs> said you know, no last night on NBC. He's staying there. Yeah, he said no on TV. Yeah, he did. But you know, I, I know he knows that system. He can come in, step in right now immediately and, and contribute. Um, but you know, I don't. I don't know what they're. Are you judging belief. others by yourself? Does that mean all of your public no. knows? Mean if the no. right call comes, yes. I mean, what? Why are you? Why are you inflicting this insight on Drew Brees, who said no, but you're not applying it to yourself? Uh, different circumstances. Different circumstances. Um, you know, but like I said, you know, I don't know what the radio's they think just of so Trevor. fulfilling here. Correct. I don't, I don't know what they really feel of, of Trevor and, and the long-term long sustainability of, of his game and, and what they think he can do to continue to improve. Um, but the way he looked yesterday, I, I see no reason why they should make any calls. He's, uh, he's played the National Football League. He's got experience. Um, and his team rallied around him yesterday. And, um, you know, he looked, he looked good. Uh, there's, Could Drew Brees, there's no... at this point, mentally, even, even if he wanted to, do you, do you think, Mentally and physically, he could compete after making a decision to step away. Well, I don't know where he's at mentally. You know that that would be it would be foolish of me to comment on you know where he is mentally um, in terms of his preparation and desire to do that at this point. But you know, from a physical standpoint, he looked good last year. Um, he knows that system like nobody else. Um, he has an understanding of the players, and and you know he would. I think Drew Brees is, is phenomenal, and I think he would do great if he would have decided to, to make that move. Much more with Larry Fitzgerald. We're going to get his top five receivers when we return. Let's Go is brought to you by USAA Insurance. We're dedicated to helping the military community protect what they've worked hard for with insurance that meets their high standards. Get the coverage you deserve. USAA Insurance. Jim Gray and Larry Fitzgerald, we will return right here on Let's Go on Sirius XM. Hey everyone, Lindsay Rhodes here, and if you love football, you're going to love my podcast, The NFL Roadshow. With episodes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we cover every NFL angle and talk to guests from across the NFL world, Hall of Famers, analytics nerds, and I say that lovingly as someone who wants to be an analytics nerd very badly, fantasy football experts, all of it. They're discussions you're not going to find anywhere else. So please, subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app, included with most subscriptions. Welcome back to Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray, along with the great Larry Fitzgerald. Let's Go is brought to you by Ring. 
Did you know Ring makes an award-winning alarm system you can install yourself? It's easy. Go to ring.com forward slash let's go for a special offer on a Ring alarm security system today. That's ring.com forward slash let's go. All right, Larry, ring it up. The bell has rung. Let's hear your top five receivers in the National Football League. Who are they? Well, I mean, that's, that's just such a very difficult and subjective question to ask. You know, you're asking who the top five receivers are or who the most productive have been at this point in the season, you know. But, you know, you look at, you know, like DeAndre, you know, obviously he's he's, he's battling the hamstring right now and uh, Devontae wasn't able to play. He's in, he's in uh, you know, COVID protocol. But then you look at, you know, guys like Mike Evans and DK Metcalf and, Stephon Diggs playing at a tremendously high level. And then you look at the young, the young guns coming very strong, you know, and see well, that's Lamb. five. Hold on a second. What are we looking at? We're looking at five. So you're going to go to 10, going to go to 20. There was five right there. I, I, I believe there's a lot of people playing good ball. And then you, you also have to take in consideration, you know, like Tyreek Hill. Now, obviously he hasn't put up the numbers um, that he's put up in the past, but he's just as dynamic and explosive, explosive as, as he's ever been. And so, um, you know, it's very difficult to, you know, say who are the, the guys playing at the very best versus who are the best, right? Um, you know, Julio Jones is, will be a first battle Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. And, you know, for some reason, he just hasn't been able to find the continuity, let it be injury or, or miscues um, to this point. Does it diminish the greatness of, of, of who he is? No, not at all. Um, so it's, it's tough to be able to, you know, assess, um, you know, who is the best, um, you know, at, at, you know, in the middle of the season. Antonio Brown, he's not on your list. This guy's damn near Jerry Rice out there. Yeah. Where does I he mean, fall in? I mean, Antonio's in the conversation. You look at Debo Samuel and what he's been able to accomplish through the first seven weeks. Anytime you can put your name next to Jerry Rice's name um, in anything in, in in football history, I mean, you're doing it at the, at the right level. So, I mean, he's quickly emerging on the scene. I mean, so there's so many different ways you can look at those evaluations. How do you look at a guy like Cooper Cup, who's so important? Obviously, you don't think of him as being in those guys that you just named. But here's a guy, and we see this from time to time in certain circumstances and situations. But you see guys who fit in well with teams who just make big play after big play after big play, but they don't come into your mind as being a great. Um, where does somebody like that fit in? Well, I... I... I'm sorry I didn't mention his name, I mean, because he's having a phenomenal year leading the league in touchdown receptions at this point right now, I believe, and has been matched efforts. Um, you know, safety blanket. He's he's beat guys on the outside. He's beat them inside with choice routes up the seam, over the top. I mean, he's just been able to do it in every single fashion. And, um, you know, I think Cooper Cup's game could, could, could work anywhere. I mean, he's got that type of ability. He's big. He's fast. He separates. He's got tremendous hands. He's really good in the run game. I mean, you see his effort, um, the way he blocks for in the run game. I mean, the guy's a complete player, and, and you can tell, you know, he, he just does things the right way. Larry, let's drastically switch subjects to a subject that goes on every year. Every week, damn near sometimes every game, every play. The officiating in the National Football League is so inconsistent. And I know that everybody is out there with an attempt to get it right, and the game moves at lightning fast speed. But it's just, in so many cases, atrocious. And it it hurts the experience, not only for those whose lives are dependent upon it, on the field and the coaching staffs, but for the fans. Yesterday in the Cincinnati game, Jets, the, the Ty Johnson lowers his head, 
uh, Mike Hilton, the defensive back, making the play. He gets penalized. That penalty wasn't initiated by him. It's the result of Johnson. And so, obviously, there's tremendous controversy. Nobody wants concussions and head injuries. But the game is football, okay? Football. We're not playing some non-contact sport. Some of these things are going to happen in the bang-bang, as they like to say. And the officials, quite frankly, get it wrong, and they ruin the experience. And you could say the same thing in that, in that Tampa Bay game. Um, six penalties lead to 13 points. It, it, either you can touch the quarterback or you can't. If you can't touch the quarterback, just say no hands on the quarterback and just eliminate the sack. Um, yeah, what I mean, can be done about this after everything that's been instituted, the safety of the game, as well as replay? Well, I mean, it's not even that. It's just the, the, the taunting calls, the things that have been permissible for the last 100 years. Now you're being flagged for just having a casual conversation. You know, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've got into it with a guy that I played with, you know, over the last 10 years. And it's not um, negative. We're just we're just jawing. Now that would be a penalty. Um, what happened in that Cincinnati Jets game was a travesty. You know, you, you feel terrible. You know, Mike Hilton came up and, and makes that play on third down. They should be they should have punted and Cincinnati should have got the ball back and had a chance to win that game down the stretch. But, you know, it was negated. Um, and I thought that was a you know, poor call. Um, you saw it in the Vikings-Cowboys game, how many penalties were called late in that game. I mean, you just really lose the flow. Um, and as a fan, it's tough to watch it, you know, when there's so many penalties being called. And, uh, you know, but I think the players really have to take the onus. I know Cliff did a really good job of, uh, you know, always putting up the officials, you know, the calls that they've made, you know, are they high offensive holding calls? You know, what are they on the DPIs? And, you know, so always having a general understanding before you actually play the game on what the what the calls could potentially be and uh, making sure that you're playing, you know, within the, the guidelines of those officials and how they call it. And, you know, so you really have to take it upon yourself as a player, you know, to, to try to do the best you can to uh, mitigate the penalties. When it's in the moment and you know that these calls are going to affect the outcome of the game, yet you still have to play, how do you, how do you contain your emotions and get ready for the next play? And Julius Irving said something to me one night that I'll never forget. He said, the officials never determine the outcome of any game I ever played in. So that's a great attitude to take, but when it's happening and you know they got it wrong, how do you take it? You take it tough, Jim. It's it's, um, it's unbelievably difficult to be able to compose yourself and maintain your emotions when you know, you know, there was an egregious call uh, just made, you know, that could very easily determine the outcome of the game. And so I think it's important for you to be able to just understand the magnitude. There's nothing you can do um, from that point on to change the call. So let's focus on the next play, um, getting your team back to a good level um, where you can mentally execute um, the next assignment because, you know, you, you literally can't do anything. So you yelling at the official, you going and complaining to your coach about the call, it's not going to change it. So um, the best you can do is just focus on the things that you can control moving forward. Final thought on this. When's it going to get better? Every year we hear all of this stuff. Ah, we're going to get it better. We're going to get it right. We, and, then, and then you'll have somebody from the league office tell us what percentage they got right. But that doesn't erase the big calls that they got wrong. When are they going to get it right? Is it ever going to be right, or are we just going to always be talking about this like we have for the past however many years the NFL has been playing? 
Jim, it's a game and it's subjective. You know, you have officials uh, making calls, split second decisions, people in New York um, reviewing plays um, that are, you know, determine the outcome of people's livelihoods. You know, coaches are fired, players, players are, are cut, you know, based on the decisions of these officials. Um, what you would like to do, you know, it's an imperfect game, but what you would like is the major calls, the things that really, really uh, affect the games, like the, the Mike Hilton tackle yesterday. That that needs to be reviewed, fixed, and the right the right call needs to be made at those points. So if you can just eliminate the, the catastrophic plays that really, really hurt teams um, and cause teams to lose games, you know, we can fix those. I think it will be a great step in the right direction. Jim Gray with Larry Fitzgerald. Our program is Let's Go. It's available everywhere where you stream podcasts. Let's Go with Larry Fitzgerald. Please subscribe today. Give us a five-star rating and leave a review. You can also interact with our show by emailing us your questions to Let's Go at SiriusXM. You know, any athlete will tell you it helps to work with an expert. For buying or refinancing a home, your expert is an independent mortgage broker. Find one at findamortgagebroker.com, powered by United Wholesale Mortgage, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS, number 3038, licensed in all 50 states and the District of Columbia. That's findamortgagebroker.com, powered by United Wholesale Mortgage. Larry, you love a check. Nobody loves a check more than you. That's not true. Jim Jim Gray loves him way more than I do. I know that for a fact. Well, I may love them more, but you got by the gazillions more than I could ever hope. So if there's a love, it's in your heart. And you've collected what's in your heart. So congratulations. Let's now turn to our commissioner, Roger Goodell. What do you make of Roger Goodell's check of collecting $128 million over the past two seasons? Well, I, I was still the line of Emmett Smith, you know, my rookie year. You don't, you don't ever, never count another man's check. Um, you know, you need to focus on what you're doing. Um, and, you know, the number jumps out to you, but you look at the growth that the NFL has, has made uh, it being an international game and um, just the fanfare, the, the growth of fantasy football, um, you know, the gambling aspect, just, just the magnitude and how much uh, people love the game. Um, the game has become a safer and you see guys playing, Tom Brady, um, 44 years old, still playing. That wouldn't be possible had he been playing 20 years ago. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can look as positives. Um, you know, I try not to look at the number, but I look at, you know, what the league has become. It's a better, safer, um, more entertaining game, and it's viewed by many more people. So he's done a great job of growing the game. I had an owner over the weekend sum it up in this fashion. That's about $4 million a team for the past two seasons. So 32 teams, $4 million, uh, one owner said, you know what, I'm going to go out and find some linebacker, some place to be a backup at that money. Roger is certainly worth more than a backup linebacker on my team. So that's, that's an interesting way to look at it. He certainly is worth much, much more than that. That's true. But when you look at the numbers, and you can make the numbers appear any way you want, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald for the 2020 season made $62,900,000. Roger Goodell made more, $150,000 more than the four best players, arguably, in the National Football League. Now, how does that number sit with you? You know what, Jim, I mean, I know those players wouldn't be making that 
amount of money if it wasn't for Rogers, you know, hard work and growing the game. And but they didn't make know, that those, amount of money. They no, made a quarter of what he made. I know, but those numbers for those players are going to continue to rise, um, you know, based on the new TV deals that he was able to negotiate successfully and the partnerships that he's still able to create. Um, you know, those those players for number those numbers for players will continue to rise. Is this a bad look at these times with the country struggling in COVID that this number comes out? Um, I mean, I, I would imagine he wouldn't, he didn't, he wouldn't want it published, right? You know, but the facts are the facts. You know, there's been people who've have really been, suffered during this pandemic, and there's people who have really, you know, done well during during the pandemic. You look at, uh, you know, the wealthiest people in the world; they've historically um, have never seen the growth that they've had over the last year and a half. And you know, there's, there's people that are doing well. I mean, that's that's the way of the world. Here's the bottom line, my opinion. He's worth it for the reasons you stated earlier. And you can twist these numbers any way you want. He negotiated just tremendous deal with all of the television networks and, and to go forward having labor peace for 10 years and media deals in place. Uh, he certainly has earned this paycheck. All right, Larry, it's time for our picks. Um, good thing the fans aren't depending upon us to eat because uh, neither of us uh, have set the world on fire, but I have caught you. I have caught you right now um, as we are even on the season a uh, couple of games below 500. Snake, who are we picking this week? All right, Jim, Larry, you're both at uh, 9 and 12 uh, for the season. We didn't uh, need the record games... mentioned. I said we're a couple of games, and now you're trying to embarrass us on our own program. No, you said you were two games under 500, and you're three, so let's just be clear on it. Um, <laughs> so um, we're going to look at the first game here. Uh, Kansas City's playing tonight, but we're going to look at Packers at the Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by two and a half in this one. I'm going to go with the Packers. You know, they've won seven games in a row. Um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to get their full arsenal a weaponry back um, in the game against the Chiefs. But the way Aaron's playing – at this point, the way the defense is playing, I, I like I like the Packers. Something's off with the Chiefs, um, but I think for some reason, and 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 even even they're starting to bark at the fans. Uh, uh, I saw where Matthew said that the fan base there is the most toxic in the National Football League uh, on social media. So, and Andy Reid has said, I'm seeing things here that I haven't seen before. But I think they're going to rise up. I think that they'll come together and they're going to they're going to play in a complete game. I don't know what gives me that feeling against perhaps the best team in the National Football League, but uh, could be could be the Chiefs being able to uh, rally and save their season and uh, get on some type of roll. So I'm going to go against you on that one, Larry. Got to have some separation here. I got to pull away from you. All right, game two on the docket here is Arizona at San Francisco. Cardinals are favored by three in this one at San Fran. I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Cardinals. You know they uh, they obviously lost a tough one Thursday night, uh, but you know long as Kyler's healthy and they'll be able to get DeAndre back on the field hopefully, and I think they'll be able to you know uh, get going again. Larry, is Kyler healthy? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I I saw him you know uh, you know go down at the end of that game. Ho hopefully he'll be able to be a full participant this week's practice and um, be able be able to play. So can I take your caveat like you did last week? If he's healthy, like you said about Dak, I mean, we're giving you that win for Dallas, even though you had the caveat of if Dak was healthy. And then, of course, Cooper Rush comes in and wins the game. But we give you the win anyway because we're kind, generous folks right here on Let's Go and Sirius <laughs> We gave you the win too, so, Jim. 
I didn't yeah, have I the caveat. I took the Cowboys regardless. Now you're trying to apply again Larry standards to everybody. I'm taking the Cardinals. Okay, I'll take the Cardinals too if Kyler Murray is healthy. I want my mulligan here. Mulligan appreciated. The last game we're going to choose here is uh, Cleveland at Cincinnati. I'm throwing a little loop in here. I know I originally chose Tennessee at L.A., but with the injured Henry, I'm going to back off that and go to uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Cincinnati. Uh, I like the Bengals to bounce back. I didn't like, like you know, what I saw yesterday uh, from the Cleveland Browns. They they were not as dominant in the run game as they they normally have. They had Nick Chubb back on the field, and um, you know, they just some costly turnovers. They just just they just didn't look good. And um, I know the Bengals are gonna be reeling after that tough loss to the Jets. What what's happened to the Browns? I mean, we know that the Mayfield was banged up, but they came into Los Angeles, put a ton of points on the board, lost a heartbreaker to the Chargers, and it's just been it's just been downhill really really since then, particularly offensively. Um, I, I'm going to go with Cincinnati too, but what's the problem with the Browns here, Larry? Well, Jim, you look at the success they were able to have last year. It was all done on the on the ground, and uh, you know being able to get. Uh, Nick back on the field, being able to get him running again, the way he was able to get going last year, I think is is very important. It's imperative uh, with their season and balance, you know, to be able to get that running game going. And once that happens, you start being able to get some single coverage on, on your tight ends and wide receivers, and you'll be able to get some favorable matches. But it all starts with the run game there in Cleveland. All right, Larry, those are our picks. A uh, serious note here. Um, Jay Glazer, who was on the podcast last week with Tom Brady and all of us, did a piece on mental health and mental health issues. Lane Johnson explaining his struggles uh, as a Philadelphia Eagle and what he has gone through. Uh, Jay uh, has taken his platform and brought this to the forefront uh, with his struggles as well. And then we see Calvin Ridley, uh, who is now stepping away from football uh, at this time. And um, Falcons receiver, tremendously talented, um, says the last few weeks have been very, very, very challenging uh, for him, and, and he needs to take some time away. This is an issue that's now come to the forefront. Uh, probably most pronounced and exemplified by Michael Phelps uh, several years ago, and then more recently with Naomi Osaka uh, and Simone Biles at the Olympics. Uh, now we see this coming uh, out. Kevin Love also many years ago uh, in the NBA. How prevalent is this? Uh, how courageous? It takes a lot of courage to come out like Lane Johnson did and, and now Calvin Ridley. What's your thoughts now on mental health issues becoming um, widespread here in, in, in sports? Well, I think this is a topic that hasn't been addressed and talked about, um, you know, often enough over the years. And, you know, this, these are not issues that are new, right? These are these are now athletes who feel comfortable enough to be able to engage in these conversations where in the past it just wasn't possible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nice that it's being spoken about and the people who are really struggling that don't have voices are now able to be, um, you know, feel like what they're going through and the plights that they're dealing with are, are being addressed and um, out in the forefront um, and they can get the help that's necessary. And, you know, whenever you hear these stories, you just, you just hope for the best. You pray that they're able to, you know, work through the adversity um, and be able to regain their love, you know, for their prospective professions. That's the hope of everybody to be at peace with themselves 
and to be able to perform at their best. With that, appreciate your time, as always, right here on Let's Go. And we will talk to you next Monday night. Thank you, Jim. It's always good to be with you. Snake, have a great week. All right, that's Let's Go for this week. Be sure and download our podcast once again. Give us a rating and subscribe. Our thanks to our producer, Dave the Snake Hagen, production assistance by Harris Fabishoff, and to our sponsors, Morton's USAA, Ring, United Wholesale Mortgage, and Golden Nugget Online Casino. Let's Go Podcast with Larry Fitzgerald was produced by 199 Productions in collaboration with Scratchy Productions. We'll talk to you again next Monday night right here on Sirius XM. Serious XM Podcasts. <laughs>